The issues that matter most, right here. The Drew Mariani Show. On Relevant Radio. It is costing so much more, about 18% more since Joe Biden took office, just to live your life. That is basic necessities of food and energy, like gas and electricity, rent, is up nearly 20% as well. So there are staggering costs here to government policy and monetary policy um, that are very significant, that are really squeezing the most vulnerable people in the, in the United States, namely the middle class, the working class, and the poor. Those are the same groups that Joe Biden and the Democrats profess to champion, and yet they're the ones getting squeezed and suffering the most. It's the Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Hey, thank you for joining me. That's uh, sobering news, right? Best way to, to look at that. Stock markets, man, they hit record highs, haven't they? It's been kind of a wild ride. Uh, they closed down lower today after an up and down week. But uh, if you're looking at your 401k or 403b, you're in the market, boy, it's uh, it's been pretty wild. It wasn't clear at all who was steering the boat after all kinds of different financial news came out. One thing uh, to me that was clear was that the Fed, the Federal Reserve, they're not going to be cutting interest rates anytime soon. There are a lot of people hoping that that would be the case. Uh, the inflation report that came out earlier this week showed that the Fed's rate hikes, well, they haven't really done what they're supposed to do. And they, they're, Long-term goal, they want to cut inflation. They want to get it back down to about 2%. Instead, the uh, CPI, the Consumer Price Index, it showed that you are paying more at the gas pump. You are paying more in your grocery store. And those are the two most volatile components that make up the uh, the index. And that's tough stuff. Nobody can get away with that, right? We need transportation and we need to eat. And those prices were up just a, a little more than 3% over last year. Uh, but when you take food and energy prices, you know, they were up maybe 4% over, over last year. Obviously, something's not working. And coming up in a minute, Peter Grant is going to be joining me. You can get in, too. You got questions about the market, questions about inflation, questions about where we're heading. Feel free to dial in. The number's 888-914-9149. Maybe you're looking for a home. Uh, maybe you are uh, in, in a business yourself. Uh, retail sales is something else we should probably talk about. It's, it seems that... Uh, after the spending spree before Christmas, a lot of people spent a lot of money. Uh, people got the post-Christmas credit card hangover. And Peter Grandage has been talking a lot about this. We'll tap into this today, too. I think we should talk about credit card debt. I mean, it's over a trillion dollars. I, I don't know what the exact number is right now. I haven't looked for it. And Patrick Alog, if you're on my phones and you're listening, get, get me the the uh, credit card, uh, what, the, uh, what the number is for, for national credit card debt right now. I mean, it's it's huge. Uh, retail sales, of course, they fell. I think uh, they fell a, a full percentage point um, until last month, which was a half percent more than they anticipated. But above all this stuff, and it can throw a million numbers at it, yeah. Uh, you know, we've got hanging over our economy like like the sword of Damocles is debt. And it's not just personal. I'll get you that number and how, how deep that debt, our personal credit card debt is. But national debt is too nationally. And here's where I'm really concerned, right? Because it's this is all connected. We just keep spending more than we're taking in. And it's part of the reason why a lot of Republicans are, are balking at spending 
billions of dollars on Ukraine to support this war against Russia. And it's so com convoluted. Thank you. Patrick just gave me the number. The uh, We are at 1.129. Well, I'll say $1.1 trillion in credit card debt. A little bit over that. It's stunning. And it's continuing to climb. Have you seen your interest rates? Crazy. You know, it's the number one thing you should be working on. Pay off those debts. Uh, and then, of course, as a nation, we've got $34 trillion in debt. I've spoken about BRIC nations wanting to move away from the U.S. dollar. If that ever happened, we would be, whew, I don't even want to use the word. <laughs> it's, we'd not be in a very good place. But uh, you're dealing with a, a debt of $34 trillion, a deficit of nearly $2 trillion, and it just keeps piling up. Pretty soon we're going to be, there's going to be a reckoning. And the you know consumers are just... You know, just as bad, $17 trillion in debt. So a lot going on. Um, joining me right now, Peter Grandage. Peter, good to have you with me. Good afternoon. Sounds like you're listening to this Grandage guy too much. I, yeah, I know. I'm going <laughs> to I'm gonna set the hemlock aside, Peter. I, I think uh, you know, it's pretty sobering um, what you've been saying. And I'm so concerned about our national debt, really. And, and yeah, we just keep spending you know, and I understand, and this is a complex issue in terms of, you know, winning the war against Vladimir Putin and, and supporting Ukraine. But, my gosh, the amount of money that this nation continues to print and spend does not portend well for your children or your children's children. Uh, give me your sense of, of our, our national debt, how you see things. I know we were talking off, off air, and, and your outlook, you, you told me you've never been more bearish in fact, you're, you're more bearish than you've ever been. So g give me your big picture view, if you could. Well, first, let's talk about the debt, because that is still the number one issue, although there's other issues getting close to rival it, and that's why I'm so concerned. First of all, it took 37 years, which was shouldn't have happened even in 37, but it took 37 years to get our debt up $9.5 trillion. It only took 10 quarters, the last 10, to make it almost 10 trillion. So what took 37 years to do before now took less than three years to do in terms of increasing the debt. That's how out of control it is. If you can imagine, no, none of us could could survive our businesses or our, if, if our levels of debt was increasing that much. We couldn't service it. We don't have the printing press that the Fed has and keeps issuing more trillions of dollars to pay for old uh, debt. That, that's the first concern. But the bigger concern is the Congressional Budget Office, and you heard me share this in the last couple of years, they've actually raised the alarm again. They now say that in less than 10 years, the, the deficit's going to be $54 trillion. Now, I'm going to tell you why I have a tough time saying that. I'm coming up on my 40th year starting on Wall Street. We didn't even have a trillion dollars in debt then. And to talk about we now within still post potentially my life, time and a lot of people listening we're going to have 54 trillion dollars of debt how do you service it well let's just say interest rates are just five percent true that's not an historically high rate that's two and a half trillion dollars plus last year we only took in five a little over five trillion dollars in revenue now some of that will increase hopefully during that 10 years while that uh, debt goes up but not anywhere close to that that would be half of the entire 
money to go just to service interest. No business or anybody reasonably can survive on 50% servicing their debt. So that that is no longer something that's, hey, I used to hear, I hear people say, hey, 20 years ago, people were saying that. You're right. But the debt was only $3 trillion and $5 trillion, but now it's getting completely out of hand. And by the way, it's both parties are guilty of it. Don't pick on any one party because uh, both parties have been in control while this debt has gone this way, and both have been responsible for the large-scale increase in it. But the other, the other problem that you have now is you're seeing almost two-thirds of Americans working paycheck to paycheck. And there's, there's, they can barely put food on the table, and you want to ask them to be loaded up with eventually somehow being responsible. Because remember, the only way we can even pay the interest we can only float so much debt for so long. We have to we have to pay at least the interest on it, and that is comes from taxes, and so that alone is concerning. But then we have this retirement crisis. We have forty seven percent of people uh, a poll that just came out are totally unprepared for retirement. We have now looking at millennials for the first time are actually making left, and 70% of them are now working paycheck to paycheck homes and things that we, when we were younger, Drew, which we felt we could acquire. We're seeing younger people have to push that aside. It's not even something that's reasonable for them. Then there's a few more, couple more issues, and then you can take your hemlock. The third is the immigration <laughs> situation. This situation, I'm not going to discuss the yeah, politics yeah, of it yeah. or, or any of it, but let's understand this. Yes, there's, there's a percentage of people that are bad. Yes, there's a bunch of people that may want to hurt America. But the bulk of the people are just leaving in a very oppressed place, coming to what they now realize is nirvana compared to where they were. Oh, yeah. And you can't not expect humans to want to have that. And not only that, but now tell all your friends and relatives you need to come too. So even if there's a wall, you're not going to be able to stop it now. And remember this, whether it's 10 million that are here, 20 million, eventually 30 or whatever, they basically come with their shirts on the back. So they're liabilities. They're not bringing a bunch of assets that, so they too are going to seek the assistance and help of, of, of a once great nation and assistance from government and all that type of stuff. And then you have the two last big issues. Mm -hmm. You mentioned it, the BRICS. Most people still don't understand it, yeah. but there's countries forming right now and have formed that mm -hmm. looking to trade and do away with dealing with the United States. Yeah. You can scoff at it and say it's only 10. You can say, oh, it's only 20 or it's not. But remember, they all at once dealt with us. Now they're looking not to deal with us. Yeah. And the last one, <laughs> Drew, which is the biggest issue, which you would hope could be fixed because then you can fix all the others that I spoke of. And that's the political paralysis that's now abated here, uh, clearly here now in the United States. Not only do the two parties can't work with each other, but they have fractions within their own parties now that are dramatically different than the center of those parties. And those would be the people that you would be expecting to deal with what I discussed and a whole bunch of other problems. So it's very hard for me when I sit down with people, start talking about planning for years out, forgetting what the market may do in a week or a month or even a year. How could you not expect this to get worse before it can possibly get better? Yeah. My guest today, Peter Granich, you want to join us, 888-914-9149. We'll take a few of your calls. Jim is in Chicago. Jim, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Uh, all I can say is for 120 years, my family relied on unions from 
teachers, fire department, police department, carpentry, electricians, bricklayers, uh, glaziers, uh, every union on earth. And all we do is vote for unions because we believe that a good wage will out will outrun inflation. As far as I'm concerned, the only thing coming down is the rain. It's always been that way. Mm-hmm. But if you got a decent enough paycheck, and that's why we vote Democratic in East Chicago, because we wouldn't take a vote for a Republican. We want our unions to get more unionized that they're on the march now. And I suspect in the next 20 years, you'll see more unions all over the place. And that's the only way. You've got to get better, better paychecks in everybody's pockets. There's no sense of crying about inflation. There's right. no point in that. We're not going to commit suicide. We have to get our paycheck. We have to pay our rent. We have to buy our houses. We have to buy our cars. So we have to, we have to get more unions in the United States of America. That's my statement. Well, Jim, I'm, I'm grateful for your call. Let me let Peter respond to you just on a, on a separate note. When it comes to, to the vote, I know you vote union first over, and you allow that to be your driver there. You know, it's, take a look at some of the moral issues, too, such as life and some of those other issues when you go into the ballot box. Um, and I would recommend anyone to check out the USCCB. They wrote a document called Faithful Citizenship. I believe that's what it's called. Really help you evaluate um, those issues, you know, because I I think you know, yeah, our pocketbook is important, but I think above all, uh, those moral issues should supersede those. So, as you go in, you know, take a look at the different criteria. Peter, let's pick up on what he had to say, and I'm curious because he's saying, hey, you know, unions are the way to go. It's about the dollar. Um, you know, give me your take on the impact of unions. Uh, and uh, I also want to talk about recession here, too, and whether or not we, we're going to slip into that. But go right ahead. Well, I'll just say that, again, I, I don't really have a strong opinion one way or another. I only look at the reality. And business in America continues to move away or put aside unions as 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 a mainstay, and certainly politicians as well. And, again, whether it's Democrats that support them, Republicans that don't, or whatever the case may be is, uh, I, this, these issues are far bigger than any union could bring and, and get a, a certain amount of people right. The, the, the America has been robbing Peter to pay Paul for decades. It's been living way beyond our means. Uh, I still tell you that seven or eight out of ten families I see are living at least one lifestyle above where their finances really support. And people say, how do they do that? I says, well, how do you have personal income up three-tenths of one percent in a month, and personal consumption up seven-tenths. If you spent seven dollars and you only took in three dollars, there's only one way you could have done that, and you borrow. And until we get out of that habit of living beyond our means and trying to keep up with the Joneses and all that other type of stuff, unions and all that other stuff sounds good, but there are far bigger issues than whether or not we're unionized. So uh, fill me in on the market, though. I want to talk about that because it hit record highs. I mean, you take a look at the NASDAQ, the Dow, some of these other areas. I mean, it's been very, very bullish. And you told me during, well, prior to coming on the earth, we had a chance to speak to you briefly, that you are incredibly bearish. In fact, you're more bearish, your outlook now, than you've ever been. What do you see in the winds? What do you see coming? Well, I'm not really concerned about 
day-to-day markets. I'll just tell you this. For, for the last two years, if you take what it went down and when it went up, and remember, in this market so far, it's been a small amount of companies that have benefited in this rally. In fact, it's almost exclusive to technology, okay? And concerning about that, and I don't get too worried about it, we've had those type of things before. We had the Internet bubble at the end of the millennium. We had the nifty 50s in the 70s when a very narrow base of companies were the main reason why a market went up. It never lasts, and I don't think it will last here. So if you are bullish, I say two things to people. One, you need to see an expansion of more companies participating in this to really say it's a true bull market. And quite frankly, if you are buying stocks for the old reason that people used to do to be part owners of businesses, valuations outside the United States are much more attractive. If I had to be in the market, I would be looking outside the United States because valuations and risk of principle to me seems far less than some of the things now we see in stocks now that are just literally parabolic was a hundred or two hundred dollars a year ago went to a thousand dollars. I mean it's just those type of rises never last. It's never different. It, it, it always turns back. But, but for the reasons that I just spoke to you and plenty more is, I don't find people anywhere prepared for if what I spoke to you plays out, even if only half of it plays out. Again, most people living a lot paycheck to paycheck, and even people that are earning fairly large sums of money are basically foregoing the future to live a much higher lifestyle now. And then we just have so we true. have another thing of an aging issue. We're seeing now nearly 70% of older adults are going to need some sort of long-term care because we're living much longer thanks to medicine and so forth. But only about 15% of them could actually afford the, the care that may be needed. So a lot of families are going to be put into the spot of having to take care of elder parents or uncles or whatever the case may be. We're seeing now we're more than 40% of Americans, 65 and over, and I'm really in trouble by this one, Drew, yeah. are living alone. And loneliness and despair among seniors now is probably one of the biggest growths among seniors. The only thing bigger that comes out in polls is that they're all, many of them are fearful of running out of money. They don't even worry as much about passing as they do about running out money. But loneliness and, and, and lack of social activity in people 65 and over, is, it's, it's a very tough thing to see. And it's a very, and, and, and it's just hard that when you, even when you get into, cause the wife and I, we do some work in a local nursing home yeah. and, uh, they have children at all, and they say, I see, or maybe two years ago, or they come once. Mm-hmm. It, it's a very sad state. And again, I think it all falls back to what you said about, you know, we need to go back to start living the way the life God calls us to live. And that's where some of the places where we should start. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a tough lesson, though, Peter. It's, it's hard for people to detach. And, you know, nobody... <laughs> I, I pray to God what you're saying is wrong. I think about these people who are now retiring. They're hoping their 401 you know, one K is going to be there for them, or those who you know aren't retired yet, or those who even are. I mean, things can change in, in a heartbeat. And that's a very sobering thought. Let alone your point about needing aid as you get older. Let's grab a few more calls. Our number is triple eight nine one four nine one four nine. Jim is in Chicago as well. Jim, good afternoon. Hey, good afternoon. Thank you much for taking my call. I'll try to keep it brief. Um, it, so just looking around what's going on in the rest of the world, particularly other Western nations, they're all going through the same thing we are. Um, runaway immigration, um, 
in, you know, in spite of the uh, native people in those countries being against the rampant immigration, unchecked immigration, high inflation, um, the death of meritocracy in favor of DEI hires, mm-hmm. it just and it's all happening to all of us all at the same time. And it feels orchestrated and it feels like the plan is to bring the West to its knees. And so. My question is, am I crazy? Am I the only one that's seeing this? That's part one. And part two is, if our own governments are against us, what hope do we have? Mm -hmm. And I'll I'll, I'll hang up and listen. Thank you for taking the call. Thanks so much. Uh, Peter, I don't think Jim's alone. I mean, I thought his points were great, but go ahead. So the the first part is, uh, obviously, there is an elitist-type thinking uh, the World Economic Forum, many people believe, is leading that uh, and is, you know, not interested in the average human beings uh, and is an elitist group. There's also a belief that part of this has always been uh, a move by China to, in a sense, break down the Western world, leading the United States. And, and uh, you can find their footprints in a lot of those countries that he speaks about. But I guess the thing at the end, and I guess the thing that despite all this bearishness for myself and all is at the end of the night, I remember still who's in charge <laughs> and, you know, I'll try to read a little scripture. I'll try to remember to do some prayers. And I, and I think we have to understand that part of the things that, and these are happening is, is because in the Western world, uh, my God, I go to Ireland now, you know, my wife was born and raised there. I was married there. Through the country I went over to in 1980, and the country now is completely different. Churches are basically empty, and that was not the case when I first went there. And same thing here. We have such a movement uh, by a certain sect of people into agnostic or atheism or religions that aren't remotely close to what our Christian Catholic faith teaches us. And, and, and just to answer, and again, I have had about eight discussions with people that took up on the, the off you had me make. And one of the things that you find of those people that are still, you know, concerned is, is that they're not giving up hope on their faith. And I think that's what we're going to have to go back to. That's why, Drew, uh, while people find it hard to believe sometimes, I really try to believe that I make my decisions based on what biblical principles taught me, and of course the church as well. And uh, and I think that's what's lacking. I, I don't see biblical principles in practice much in my industry in the financial world. I really don't. It's, it's extremely secularism. And even if there is um, a man or a woman who's an advisor that chooses to love the Lord and all, they very find it very hard or very not wise to, to wear it on the sleeve as I do. And let me tell you something. By wearing it on my sleeve, business has been impacted negatively. But the people that do come through, boy, do they make up for it in, in the way that they appreciate it. So I think it all goes back to what the whole idea, why we, we keep talking about why we still need rel- places like Relevant Radio. Because look at this. I could never have this discussion on any financial network or anything or share how that could possibly tie into it or, quite frankly, paint that bearish picture. They would Trust me, they wouldn't have you back. That's not a... It's not not the mode or the makeup of financial networks to bring somebody on to basically tell you yeah, right. the world's about to fall apart. So, I, I, I yeah. again, I want to just take the time to thank Relevant Radio. I know, you know, you give balance, and I try to be balanced, but even to share something like this to the level that we do yeah. is really a blessing. 
Yeah, Peter, thanks for saying that. And I'm grateful for your honest and very sobering perspective. And to Jim, too, I mean, there is always hope. I love what you had to say. God's ultimately in control, Peter, as you said. You know, and the thing about these situations, which are often difficult, is uh, change is a part of life. You know, things look often difficult, but, um, you know, with God, all things are possible. And I, I know it sounds it sounds repetitive, maybe even trite, but it's true. I mean, hope's not passive. It's a call to action. And we've got to do our part. We've got to pray. We've got to allow God to, to do the rest. You know, sparks of light in the darkness. That's what we are. And I often say one candle can banish the darkness, but one can one candle can pierce the darkness, but a thousand can banish it. So don't lose hope. Pray, do your part. Deacon Conrad in De Plains, Illinois. Good afternoon. You're on with Peter Grandage. Hi. Uh, I just want to comment on that previous uh, caller called about unions. Mm -hmm. The problem that I see with unions is that mo a lot of them have been hijacked by the woke agenda, and they're basically misusing union funds to promote all of this stuff. Yeah. My last job uh, before retiring was in a public school where I opted out of joining the union because it was so bad that, you know, the money was obviously right. being used and the influence was being used, you know, against the uh, truths of the faith. And so, well, good for you. you know, that's, that's a big problem I have with, uh, with unions. Deacon, thank you. Thanks for taking a moral stand too. And uh, I have similar concerns about certain unions in the way that they, you know, the way they use these funds and, for the particular agendas that they, they ultimately support. Peter, I've got to leave it here, so I'm going to give you final thoughts. I know people can check you out at petergranich.com. They can sign up for your email as well, but final thoughts for those who are listening. Uh, go to your Bible. Know that half the parables are related to matters of finance. There's more topics about matters of finance in the Bible than there is about heaven or hell. God really thought money and things related to are going to be important to you. So try to find some of the answers that you're seeking in Scripture. All right. Well, Peter, have a great week, okay? It's great for right, your buddy. time. God bless. Look forward to talking again. That's Peter Grandage. It is bottom of the hour. When we return, you're going to hear a great conversation with the chaplain of the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, not only the congratulations to the Chiefs for their victory, but we know what happened during their celebratory parade afterwards. Uh, he'll offer some profound insights. He had a great conversation with John Morales. That and a whole lot more coming straight up. Stay with me. Wish you could hit rewind on that convo? Listen to the podcast on RelevantRadio.com or anywhere podcasts can be found. Hey, join Father Rocky this September for a pilgrimage to Poland and Prague. You'll visit the lands of St. John Paul the Great, St. Faustina, Our Lady of Czestochowa, and the Infant Child of Prague. Seats are limited. Information at relevantradio.com slash Poland. That's relevantradio.com slash Poland. The Drew Mariani Show is on Relevant Radio. Well, welcome back. It's great to be here with you today. I appreciate you uh, taking time to join me. If you missed any of the conversations, be sure and go to relevantradio.com or to where podcasts are homed or housed. 
However I should say that. Can be found is probably a better way of putting it. <laughs> and uh, share the conversation with someone else or, or listen to it again. Always chock full of interesting information and and good stuff. So I'm grateful for your listenership and for your friendship and for spending my time with you. One of my colleagues today had a great conversation this morning with the chaplain for the Kansas City Chiefs. And so much has gone on from their unbelievable victory on Super Bowl Sunday uh, to really tragedy as shots rang out. And the loss of the the life of a Catholic mother, a broadcaster in that community. Uh, I'd like to share this with you. If you missed it, let me you know, give you just a, uh, an opportunity now to tap into what I thought was just a wonderful conversation. Here's John Morales, Morning Air, along with the chaplain from the Kansas City Chiefs. Good morning, Father Rocha. Thanks so much for joining us. It's a blessing to be with you once again. Not the type of situation that we expected after winning a Super Bowl. No, John, obviously not. I had so many phone calls and texts asking if I was okay, if I was all right. I, I actually didn't go to the parade because of Ash Wednesday, obviously. And uh, it was just um, yesterday, early, early morning that I found out that the woman who died was a younger sister of a, a very dear friend of mine who I'd met on and had dinner with on, a, on uh, quite a few occasions and uh, found out that it was his younger sister. So all of the listeners uh, to uh, to continue to pray uh, for the Lopez Galvin family, mother and father will be burying their daughter, you know, here just in a few days. So, um, you know, my, my continued prayers go out to them and, and to all those victims. Um, I, I was very impressed with some of the players. Uh, I hear that, uh, that stood, uh, with some of the younger children who were just, uh, ecstatic. Uh, they were just again in shock, I believe. So that was a great comfort to know that, uh, uh, they were there and, and, and being being helpful, um, Father Rocha, how are the chief fans and the people of Kansas City uh, doing uh, after this horrible tragedy? Uh, so from what I know, it's it's uh, it's prayer. It, it's um, that's just a realization that uh, you know the tragic things can happen, and and uh, especially after a joyous day, a joyous occasion, you know people were uh, again happy for their team. You know the city of Kansas City and winning back-to-back and, and uh, brought a, a lot of great joy to and happiness to Kansas City. And then and then to have this happen, yeah, puts it back into perspective. You know, God, uh, again, please may he shine his mercy on, on all of those uh, who were involved. And I believe they were young children, young children meaning teenagers, two of them that were part of this. Well, we continue, of course, uh, to to pray uh, for uh, the family of Lisa Lopez Galvan and all of uh, the families that were involved in this uh, horrific uh, tragedy. Uh, Father, I want to switch gears uh, on a much happier note. I want to share the dramatic moment in overtime when uh, Patrick Mahomes uh, tossed the game-winning touchdown. Uh, Kevin Harlan with the call on Westwood One. First and goal at the three. Lining up in the clock at 10 seconds and kicking. In the shotgun, Mahomes. Four-man front, receiver in motion, low snap. He runs and he throws, caught, touchdown! It's caught! Hardman caught the ball! The Chiefs have won! The Chiefs have won! The entire bench empties! Chasing Mahomes in the end zone! Their third Super Bowl in five years! The Chiefs are back-to-back! Super Bowl champions, 
It is a dynasty. The Chiefs have won Super Bowl 58, 25-22 in overtime. It means a ton. Just the adversity we dealt through, dealt with this year, and to come through, the guys never faltered. I was not give God the glory, man. He, he challenged us to make us better. And I'm proud of my guys, man. This is awesome. It's legendary. Once again, we're joined by Father Richard Rocha, the chaplain of the Kansas City Chiefs. Father, what was it like uh, for you to be at Super Bowl 58 there in Las Vegas and, and to be on hand to actually watch with your own eyes uh, the Chiefs win back-to-back titles, uh, their third championship in five years? Oh, what what a blessing, first of all, it was. And just to be a part of this uh, organization where God is important, and that's probably every NFL organization, but the only one I obviously had that opportunity with is the Chiefs, but uh, to know that uh, the Mass is so important that they would take their team priest, and I even got to, to, to take the guy who serves my Masses for the Royals and the Chiefs and and uh, to provide that, provide that for the men. And the team hotel, even, there was a different demeanor on the men. They were there and mingling with family and what have you, but boy, it was just a very determined looks, you know, uh, uh, from them. So, uh, especially in my uh, few coaching days, and what a blessing, what a great weekend, what a great season. Uh, you would have thought this uh, right in midseason. Now, Father, uh, were, were you uh, in a suite, uh, in a seat, or did you make it down to the sideline uh, in, in your uh, favorite place? I was in, in regular seats, so... Uh, uh, which is where I'd love to be. We were about on the 25-yard line. It was a great game. I didn't get a chance to go down afterward. And, and then after the after effects with all the interviews and what have you, uh, you go to the after party and got the special pass. And uh, But the players, uh, I left and went to bed before the players showed up. So I uh, uh, saw a few of them the next day. But, uh, uh, no, it was just it was uh, what a great experience to, to witness. We have the best quarterback in the league, and uh, and boy, does he know how to help run a team. And and that's what you need. That you need that that coach on the field. Patrick definitely portrays that, and that was just a, a blessing that we were able to get him and and uh, jump a few spots uh, in that draft to to grab him. So the chief staff and the the personnel uh, staff is just um, they're amazing. Um, you know, my hat goes off to them, and prayers continue prayers for them that continue this dynasty. Father uh, Patrick Mahomes, of, of course, is he's not Catholic, uh, but uh, obviously he gave thanks to the Lord there in, in the postgame, uh, just moments after winning the Super Bowl. I was very impressed uh, with that. Uh, I was thinking to myself, this guy is doing his uh, Michael Jordan impersonation, uh, you know, with the cape, Superman. I mean, the way he just took the team on his shoulders and led him to the victory. Exactly. And I, I'm so uh, proud of him to to obviously give God that greater glory and honor. And, and of course, we have our, our own kicker uh, with Harrison Butker doing the same thing and then being at the parade, you know, with his ashes present and knowing that that's first, you know, God's first in my life. And then then, then we celebrate with this parade. But, no, it's just uh, just the uh, the attitude of the team, the, the perspective that they have and putting God first. And even with the coaching staff, uh, with those Catholic men that are, that are on the coaching staff, again, it's just uh, that's important for them. And, and I hope and pray that we continue to 
to do that, to, to give God greater glory and honor. Well, uh, Father, you read my mind because uh, uh, Harrison Butker it was so outstanding. In fact, uh, at the rally uh, before the tragedy, uh, Patrick Mahomes actually called him out and he said, how about a shout out for Patrick Mahomes and the whole place, uh, for uh, Harrison Butker, I Harrison. should say, for Harrison, and the whole place went went wild. Uh, he had a big night. He kicked uh, four field goals. He was four for four, including the longest one in the history of the Super Bowl a record 57 yarder. Oh gosh, he he was awesome, and especially after Moody kicks the 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 then current uh, record at 55, I believe he's been lights out, Harrison. And uh, what a blessing it's been for him to to lead in his own quiet way. You know, uh, I think Mahomes had said, you know what, I I don't talk to him uh, uh, throughout the game or whatever, I because uh, I know he just he's he's focused and he's do, doing a great job. He's the best as well. And I'm so uh, proud of my own bishop, Bishop Johnston, uh, James Johnston. He, um, you know, sends out uh, a video. Hey, we're we're just so happy for our Chiefs, our back-to-back wins in the Super Bowl. Uh, you know, but but this Wednesday is Ash Wednesday, so you know we're going to give thanks and praise to God in our way during Lent. We're going to pray. We're going to sacrifice in our way. So uh, it was a subtle reminder that you know, hey, parishes, you stay open. Schools, you're still open. Catholic schools, you're still open. Uh, what have you. So uh, again, my, my hats off to our bishop who, yeah, the same way as Harrison would, would have done it, uh, yeah, God's first. And then, uh, so in that sense, I, I did have a 12, a noon mass scheduled. So, so thanks be to God for that. And we start our Lent off great. Well, Father, I know that uh, you, you hear confessions typically on Friday mornings and you've got Mass coming up. I so much appreciate you taking time to, to be with us. Last quick question. Uh, after winning uh, three Super Bowl titles in five years, are, are the Chiefs officially now a dynasty? And do you think that they can pull off the three-peat next year? Oh, my goodness. You know, what a blessing. No one, no team has ever done that. And uh, But, yeah, I could, I could say, you know, yes, we are so blessed to have uh, the right people, the right personnel, the right coaching uh, staff with Andy Reid and 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 his greatness, and then uh, and then with the uh, personnel uh, directors, and they just do a great job. Uh, it's a it's a wonderful organization that they give to us, the city of uh, Kansas City. Father Rocha, thank you so much uh, for being with us. Really, really appreciate it. Uh, it is uh, such a blessing uh, to, to have you here on the show with your perspective, not only on the big game, but also on the tragedy in Kansas City. Oh, thank you so much, John, and my continued prayers for all the great work that Relevant Radio and, and that you all do there as well to, to, spread the, uh, to spread the faith, the Catholic faith. No, my thanks to John Morales for that conversation. I walked into the studio and he said, oh, you got to hear this conversation. So thought I'd uh, pass it along to you. When we come back, I'm going to change gears slightly. You know, this is, a, this is a special time of year. Uh, there's a time in which you can tap into some, well, some special graces. Uh, I'll share with you four simple ways to gain a plenary indulgence. And we can take a look at, uh, of course, Lent in general, I had a conversation with Father Rocky about fasting. And, you know, the fasting window is 8 to 59 years of age. Um, he, he said something, I don't know if it was facetious or not to me, but he was just saying, hey, you know, that was done like in the Middle Ages, that canon, right? Um, that's when people only live to be 40. Uh, if you are over 59, are you fasting? You know, I would hope, well, I shouldn't say that. The church only requires you to be 18 to 59 to fast. You know, we talk about Ash Wednesday and Good Friday. But what are you doing for Lent? 
you know, what is your your Lenten resolution? How are you earning these particular graces? Uh, feel free to call, share what you're going through. Maybe if there's something really unique and something that's really helped you to grow in holiness, I'd love to hear that. And I'll share with you a little bit about these indulgences right after this. The hope lives here. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. This hour is sponsored by Ave Maria Mutual Funds, where financial goals are aligned with pro-life values and fund decisions are based on investment fundamentals designed to preserve and grow wealth without violating moral beliefs. More information at AveMariaFunds.com. The Drew Mariani Show on Relevant Radio. Well, thanks for joining me. Good to be here with you today. I hope you're getting ready for a wonderful weekend. I know I am. <laughs> Time flies, though, doesn't it? I was just looking at my calendar, and I can't believe that we are halfway through this month, and I don't know where time goes. I almost feel like it accelerates as, as I get older. Some say the days are shortened, right, as we approach the you know these end times, but I don't know if that's the case. I think everything is relative. And we can talk about that. Maybe I'll I'll share a little bit with you about about time because it is a you know, fascinating concept. Does it speed up? You know, are the days being shortened for us? Uh, this is a special time of year. It's Lent. I hope you will really work to make Lent special. You know, I often look at this as kind of the reset. A lot of people look at the new year as the new as the reset, and we set these goals. And of course, within days, most people abandon their their New Year's resolution. I, I don't know if anyone's ever done a study to see whether or not Lent falls into the same type of category. Like we make these Lenten resolutions, we're good for about a week or two, and then kind of fall off the wagon. Uh, there's a lot of grace at this time of year. There's a lot of grace you could tap into. And this is a reflective season. And I, I hope you'll spend more time in prayers. I guarantee you, God wants to give you graces. This is an opportunity, and I, I'm really trying to make this Lent a very special uh, time to grow in grace, to deepen my spiritual journey, to embrace that path to greater sanctity. And I'm telling you, if you do this, God will give you the graces. There are three pillars to Lent, right? We've got prayer and fasting and almsgiving. And, of course, countless saints have laid the groundwork for achieving holiness. Uh, it's a journey that we are all on. It's well within your reach, but... Putting those into practice, I think, speeds you down that pathway. I came across a piece in Church Pop, and I discovered that certain Lenten practices can actually lead you to a plenary indulgence, a grace that's available not just during Lent, but every day of the year, and something we might take for granted. Uh, contrary to a lot of misconceptions, and a lot of people think, indulgences, isn't that the problem with the Protestant Reformation? An indulgence is not a commodity exchanged, right? It's it's not, uh, the church does not sell these things. Uh, it actually represents complete forgiveness before God for the, you know, temporal punishment for sin, um, whose guilt has already been forgiven. But um, there are partial indulgences too. And the church outlines that if you want a plenary indulgence, you have to do three things. Three, there's three essential conditions for this. One, you need to go and participate in sacramental confession, uh, receive the Holy Eucharist, and then offer prayers for, for the Holy Father. We need this detachment from sin and this ability to uh, to 
you know, participate in those three things. But the fourth, which is I found kind of interesting, is a challenging condition. Uh, achieving detachment from all sin, including venial sins. If you want a plenary indulgence, I mean, that that's the killer for me, right? How, how do you do that, right? Um, that's what makes Divine Mercy Sunday so so cool. And that's a whole other conversation. But without this detachment, you might still receive a partial indulgence. And some ways you might be available to get them you never thought of, right? And during Lent, maybe you said, you know, I'm going to pray the rosary, or I'm going to go to adoration, or I'm going to you know, go to Mass every day. Um, pray that you can be detached from sin. That's what the saints did, right? They, they, they never wanted to offend God, not even by the slightest offense, not by the slightest sin. And would it be great to achieve that level of holiness where we had this super sensitivity to offending God? Our, our life and our conduct and the way we governed ourselves would radically change. But here are four practices that can, you know, that can lead you to receive these indulgences. Um, one, it says spend a, at least a half hour in adoration before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. Now, whether you attend adoration or you simply pray before the tabernacle with the Eucharist exposed, you're embracing that practice. So, you know, I, I think there's nothing more transformative than spending time with the Lord. You know, when I go, sometimes I'm like, oh, I don't feel like going, right? Or I'm too busy or it's late. Uh, when I leave there, I have never once regretted it. There is such a peace that fills my heart. If you are robbed of peace, if you are filled with anxiety, if you are desperate right now, if you're seeking answers to your prayers, go before the Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. I'm telling you, it's there that miracles will happen. It's there that those intractable those intractable problems, right, that don't seem to be resolved or those answers that seem to elude you, they'll become clear. Those problems will be resolved. I mean, I've seen it time and time again. I can't stress this enough. The other thing you can do, too, is recite the rosary. And you can do that in a community. You can do it alongside with the Holy Father. You can do it with Father Rocky at night. And you can do it within the the walls of a church, certainly. You can do it before the Blessed Sacrament. You can do it with your loved ones at home. But by joining the Pope during his public recitation is another way to do it. But um, you get an indulgence for praying the rosary. And then, of course, uh, dedicate at least a half an hour of time to reading sacred scripture and immersing yourself in the divine word. Uh, another great way during Lent. I don't know. If, I think Catholics, and this is not a bash on those who do, but I think... And again, we hear the scriptures, right? If you go to daily mass, you get exposed to, to scripture. But our Protestant brothers and sisters, and I have to tip my hat to them, they love their scripture. They know their scripture, right? They live the word. The word is alive, right? It's living. It's going to communicate to you. Um, I think we as Catholics should do that. Our Lady, in one of her very famous apparitions, once said that we should keep the Bible in a prominent place in our home and keep it open, right? You go through a difficult time, turn to it be surprised at how the Holy Spirit works through the Word to give you direction, to give you enlightenment. There's something about it. The other thing, which I think is incredibly meritorious, especially at this time of year, are the Stations of the Cross. And that's the fourth thing that Church Pop pointed out in terms of the ways you can get indulgences all throughout the year, right? Not just during Lent. These are things, the Rosary, Adoration, Stations, Reading Scripture, all ways you can do this. Um, St. Faustina wrote about it. You know, the Lord told her, he told her to, at the three o'clock hour, to remember in a special way his passion. That was the hour in which mercy triumphed. 
right? And and he says, if if you can, he asked her first, you know, visit me in the Blessed Sacrament. If you can't do that, can you make the Stations of the Cross? If you can't do that, can you just remember me even for the briefest of moments? The Lord kept giving her opportunities to do this. Uh, but I think about the Stations of the Cross and how at this time of year, it, she wrote, and I, and I often share this around the around Passion Friday and the, the Triduum, what the Lord revealed to her about his passion. And many saints have often revealed the graces that you receive from meditating on the passion of the Lord. It's such a beautiful way to pray. And I'll tell you what, it moves the heart of God. Who was it? I don't have the quote in front of me. I'm trying to remember. One tear shed for my passion, the Lord had told one saint. I don't know which one it was. I'll have to research that. It's worth in a year of flagellation, you know, in, in penance. You know, it's a, it, was it Augustine, Maggie? Maggie saying it might, might have been Augustine. I, I, and I might not be quoting that quite right, but the, thank you, Patrick. Patrick Aguilog says that was it. Bottom line is meditating on the, on the passion of our Lord, shedding a tear for the Lord is worth more than a year of penance, right? More, more than suffering, more than flagellation. That's how powerful that is. So these practices, um, I think they're very, they're, I think they're rich, you know, they'll enrich your spiritual life. And then the additional grace that you can get from the indulgences that, that the church offer is such a, a blessing to you. So uh, as we approach the holiest time of the year, you know, let's resolve. If you have not made that new that New Year's resolution, if you've not made that Lent resolution, why not pick up one of these, right? I'm out of time for the day. Kel Clark is coming straight up. I will pray for you. I always do. Pray for me. Remember that God loves you, and so do I. Have a great weekend.